0: This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with the podcast on our Twitter, you can follow me on at I-L-T-M podcast, or I should say X. Sorry about that. (laughs) You know what I mean. Uh, Also on Instagram at I love that movie podcast. All one word, just I love that movie podcast. And we have a Patreon. Uh, The show is always free, but if you want to support me on there, you can. That's at Patreon.com slash I love that movie again all one word Um, and if you sign up you get a weekly bonus episode it's basically all the other stuff I'm watching that's not just the movies that we talk about every week but if this is your first time listening um, I have a returning guest with me here today I have Cody say hi Cody hello and Cody, you've been on the show quite a few times, but if you—if people have not heard you on the show before, would you mind introducing yourself just a bit?
1: Yes, yeah, so my name is Cody House. I've been on a, quite a few times. It's always a pleasure to come on. So, you know, if you enjoy some of the episodes you might have heard me on, such as RoboCop or Memento or Life of Brian or Scream, you might have heard me before. Uh, I also like to podcast as a hobby. I have a show called Video Store Rejects. We do uh, live recording videos of movies we watch. I also have a show that's an off-branch of that called The Director's Chair. Right now, we're going through Twin Peaks. We're doing David Lynch. I have two co-hosts on that, and we're going through the series of Twin Peaks. First, before we go through his filmography... And I'm about to start a new show with a friend of mine where we do classic movie reviews. So any film made before 1980, we discuss.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you for coming back on. And uh, if people haven't heard an episode before, if this is your first time joining, um, my guest always picks the movie. So they select the films and we talk about them. So what movie did you pick to talk about today?
1: Well, since it is February and Valentine's Day is next week, I thought we should talk about something that has a romance. And I decided to go with a film. I don't know if it's considered the quintessential romantic comedy, but I think it's considered the cornerstone of what became the modern romantic comedy, or at least the romantic comedy if you grew up in the 90s. Of what the template for a romantic comedy was. And that's uh, Rob Reiner's When Harry Met Sally. But written by Nora Ephron. Who would go on to be a film director herself.
0: Yes. Um, I'm going to admit to you. I'm kind of surprised that this was written by a woman. But we'll get into that. (laughs) I mean there are some things that are not surprising about it. And there are some things that are very surprising about it. But I want to talk about all that. Um, I'm going to just admit this right now. I've never seen this movie before you suggested it.
1: That, that is kind of surprising because I feel like this is a very widely known movie. I think there's a I few know. lines in here that you probably have heard of or heard people reference. And there's at least one scene you probably knew about uh, already yeah. in this movie. <laughs>
0: very much so i mean this is a, a classic that so many people love and i was actually telling nick last night you know my husband i was telling him i feel like when um this is one of the movies that comes up a lot as a favorite for for guys um also like you know i mean i don't hear a lot of men saying like oh let's talk about the notebook or something like that but uh but this particular movie when harry met sally it seems to hit both demographics really well do you agree with that statement
1: i think so i think this is probably one of those romantic comedies or romance films that guys are like yeah i like this one too but also that i heard a theory on another show and jessica and i have discussed this too it's like do men really like romantic comedies and when you start naming romantic comedies you like they're like yeah, but you're saying, like, the really good ones. Like, you know, <laughs> do you really like the genre? Or are you just acknowledging this is a really good movie? Because, you know, there are genres you may not care for, but if it's a really good movie, you're like, yeah, that's a good movie. But, like, there's probably, like, a a B B-minus romantic comedy where I would be like, I didn't care for that movie. But if that makes sense, you know, <laughs> work. Whereas maybe other genres, you may be more forgiving, even if the story or movies not up to snuff with like some of the best.
0: I could see that. I mean, what are your thoughts on like why do you think, you know, the the romance is uh, the romance genre pulls in more of a uh, feminine demographic. Like, what, what why do you think that is?
1: Well, I'm definitely not an expert on why. That pulls into the feminine demographic. But I think maybe that's just something more. Maybe the genre has more of what they want in a movie. I mean, they usually have happy endings. Uh, You know, there's usually not a lot of gratuitous sex and violence or swear words. It's, you know, mostly snappy dialogue back and forth relies on relationships and characters and the actors having some sort of chemistry with each other and maybe it's something they can relate to i mean there's a few factors
0: i think those are all great points i've been thinking about this a lot lately because traditionally um i have not liked this genre a lot But I've been racking my brain. Why am I different from other women? And also, you know, why does it pull women more in? And the thing that I I think of when I think about a romantic comedy is I think unlike a lot of genres, I think the female characters are equally important and get the same amount of screen time and i don't think that's the case in like action movies and other movies and so i think women can see themselves in these characters more than like even sometimes when there's like an action star the way it's written a lot of times women are like okay that's cool but i don't see myself as that person and maybe the way female characters are written in romantic comedies it's like yeah that person has a job like i would have and they have a relationship like i've had like They can put themselves in that person's shoes a little bit more. Maybe that's why, I don't know. But um, despite being feminine myself, I I actually don't know either. So those are guesses.
1: (laughs) Well, that's a very good statement. And you said it, not me, so... That makes it better instead of me, the man over. I think the reason women relate to this movie.
0: <laughs> I want you to mansplain why. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, to move on from that a little bit, um, uh, I have a couple of questions before we kind of get into the synopsis. We'll get there. But um, when um, when did you first see this movie? Did you see it in theaters or did you see it on DVD or VHS? Or how did you first see it?
1: Well, I did not see this movie in theaters because I probably would have been three or four when it came out. So, wasn't probably on my radar at that time.
0: Yeah, and not to, not to uh, date you too much, but um, this movie came out in 1989 for those listening. So, do the math. No, i <laughs> So, now
1: you know how old I am.
0: Yeah, and you said, I'm sorry, did you say on DVD or VHS or
1: no actually i saw this the first time i think on cable
0: oh okay yeah where a lot of us saw movies for the first time because movies were expensive (laughs) and not always super accessible i mean you could rent them but probably at your age you weren't renting when harry met sally you probably happened upon it like you said like so how old were you when you saw it or around how old were you
1: I think I was around 14. I was in high school. Actually, I think I watched this movie on New Year's Eve. It might have even been the Y2K New Year.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. Okay. Well, um, so you saw this on New Year's Eve with anyone, with your family, alone? How did you see it?
1: I think I watched it by myself in my room. I mean my parents were <laughs> home, but I guess they were watching something else cuz okay. I had a TV in my room. So, I guess by by being a teenager at this point, I'm not wanting to watch whatever my parents are watching. I mean, we would still watch things together, but my dad pretty much controlled the main television and it was a <laughs> lot of it was a lot of procedurals or westerns or
0: dad shows
1: dad shows
0: typical yeah i did not see this because um i guess what the kids would call these days a pick me girl i guess (laughs) i didn't watch a lot of romance but my father really liked this movie i remember that which i now as an adult watching it find very strange and just knowing his beliefs i think it's interesting he liked this movie but anyway i saw it for the first time um Yesterday, actually, and I have to say that I really, really enjoyed it and um, am very excited to talk about it with you. But before we get too much further and before we get into spoiler territory, I'm going to read the synopsis. Now, I'm going to tell y'all there's, like I said, there's no like here comes the spoilers, spoiler wall has been lifted, nothing. We're going to talk about all of it. So you might want to pause here. And if you do, you can actually watch it for free right now on Tubi. So just a little plug there. Um, So here's the synopsis for When Harry Met Sally. In 1977, college graduates Harry Burns, played by Billy Crystal, and Sally Albright, played by Meg Ryan, share a contentious car ride from Chicago to New York, during which they argue about whether men and women can truly be strictly platonic friends. Ten years later, Harry and Sally meet again at a bookstore and in the company of their respective best friends, Jess, played by Bruno Kirby, and Marie, played by Carrie Fisher, attempt to stay friends without sex, becoming an issue between them. And I found that synopsis on Wikipedia. If you want to go look that up, I thought it was pretty decent, so I shared that. What What are your thoughts on that synopsis? Does it Does it capture the movie? How do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it pretty much captures the movie. I mean, there is a little segment in the movie before that where they mm-hmm. kind of meet each other. But yeah, it pretty much sums up the movie. It's the whole, well, can men and women be friends? Or does, you know, like, like it says, the sexual attraction run into the way of staying platonic? And, you know, what happens from there? Yeah.
0: I think it's interesting. I think part of why I didn't re- wasn't as interested in this movie at first is when I was younger is that concept I didn't really like. I feel like it's kind of, it's a little archaic, especially nowadays. But I think the movie, even though that's said, and even though the characters feel that way, I feel like there's a very really moving part of this movie that I kind of want to get into, but I'm not going to jump right to it. Um, But, yeah, that's the gist of it. Um, I have a couple of quick facts, too, about it. And the first one is that the segments of married couples telling stories about how they met are real stories that the director, Rob Reiner, collected for the film. And then they hired actors to relay those stories. So that's another kind of jumping ahead, too. This was directed by Rob Reiner, which is pretty Mm -hmm. cool as well.
1: And yeah, I I love that aspect of the movie, too. And also... Rob Reiner was on a hot streak at this point in his career because he's coming off Stand By Me and the Princess Bride before this.
0: I love Stand By Me. That's, like, one of my favorite films.
1: And then he goes on to do Misery and a Few Good Men after this. Wow, 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 wow. I don't know if you noticed, there's a scene in the movie where Billy Crystal's reading a book, and the book he's reading is Misery.
0: No way, I did not notice that. That's
1: yeah. really cool. Yeah. What a good so, Easter egg. There's a little Easter egg of what his next movie would be. But yeah, so I mean, what an incredible run. He, despite whatever he's done as a director now. But I mean, he that's and of course he had also done Spinal Tap before this, too. So that's like six or seven people would argue like Stone Cold classics.
0: Agreed, agreed. Um Another quick fact I had was that the concept of Sally being a picky eater was actually based on the film screenwriter herself, Nora Ephron. Uh, years after the movie came out, when Ephron was on a plane and ordered something very precise, the stewardess looked at her and said, have you ever seen the movie when Harry met Sally? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's too specific in the film like that. I knew that had to be based on a person, but was very surprised it was based on the screenwriter. But I have to say that takes a tremendous amount of self-awareness uh, and, and, and being able to laugh at yourself for her to kind of have picked that. I love that. I love that. Well, impact.
1: that does make sense since Sally is a journalist and I believe Nora Ephron was a journalist before she became a screenwriter and then eventually a director. And what, kind of more symmetry or like um, art becomes life in this movie is that when they started making this film, I believe Rob Reiner and Penny Marshall had divorced and Rob, Rob Reiner was kind of in a rut. But when they were making this movie, Rob Reiner eventually met his future wife, who I believe he's still married to.
0: Oh, that's very sweet. um, yeah, so that's those are my quick facts. Um, before we dive into like the actors and things like that, is there anything else you wanted to share?
1: Well, I mean, I really did like this movie a lot, even as a fourteen year old boy who wasn't a huge romantic comedy fan, but I think you know, what this movie was about and you know that it kinda has both the male and female perspective, like Harry and Sally are both equal characters it's not one versus the other so not one is the main character and the other is the object of affection so i think i like that aspect of it but it's become a personal film with me and jessica as well because she loves this movie and because the whole aspect of being friends first and then becoming significant others because jessica and i were friends before we became a couple
0: oh i was wondering what the personal connection you have was going to be and yeah i think i was very surprised by the overall message of the movie because i had one concept and i think it was colored by i shared earlier my dad was like this movie proves what men and women can't be friends is basically what he walked away with which is actually not the message because yeah the the point is these characters realize that they truly love each other because they were friends for so long and i that is actually pretty progressive especially for 1989 and it's I think very true that the people that you have the deepest connection with they're a whole person this This movie looked at relationships like they're both entire people with autonomy and like their own you know personalities and differences um and I think that that's really refreshing in this genre that I think sometimes lacks that
1: well, and I mean, this time we were watching it and the whole scene where. Billy Crystal and Bruno Kirby, you know, because they kept between the scenes with Harry and Sally with their counterpoint best friend. And there's a scene where they're at the batting cages and he's like, I don't understand this relationship. And he and when Harry's explaining, he's like, I can be myself. I can tell her things that I can't tell other people. And it's, like, right there in the movie, you're, like, well, you found the person that's for you, because that's what it is when you find that person, is that you can be yourself. You can tell them things that you don't want to tell other people, because you're comfortable enough around them to be yourself and to talk about those things.
0: Yeah, there's a theory that, like, a lot of, you know, um shipping <laughs> in, like, popular media, like, let's say, like, you know, you take a movie, like, I don't know, uh, winter soldier and and a lot of people like create this fake relationship between bucky and captain america more so Mm -hmm. than the main female character and why is that because so often the people they're supposed to be in romantic relationships with they don't have this big connection in the narrative it's not written that way and so i i feel like in in this movie it is written that way. And I can, ima- you know, that, that the person he ends up with, he has this true friendship, this true connection that the audience gets to see. And that is unique and sometimes in honestly male, female on-screen relationships. But I could also imagine like as a teenager, that would be exciting to me to see this and be like, Oh, I might get to marry my best friend and have like an actual like real connection with them um and i could see that being more exciting to you at that age than like i don't know uh, like a regular i guess romantic comedy if that makes sense well
1: yeah cuz i think my perception at the time of those kind of movies was it's either about a guy trying to find his dream girl or it's about a girl trying to find the perfect man or somebody that's going to treat her right but like usually it's a one-sided story and we're Very meeting true. the other, we're meeting the other person through their eyes. And I mean there's other romantic comedies where that's not the case, but I don't know how many romantic comedies I had seen at this point in my life, but this one felt different. It felt refreshing. It felt like it was a unique take on it. And I know that Nora Ephron is the only pin screenwriter but i wonder how much collaboration was between her and rob reiner on this
0: i agree because i feel like there there are two sides to this story like even though they're equally represented it it feels like there's the the characters have different um philosophies and so it makes me think that there must have been a balance so i i agree with that um are you comfortable with maybe moving on to talking a little bit about the cast we've kind of Lightly touched on a little bit of it, but kind of excited to dive in.
1: Yeah, let's talk about the cast, because it's a really good cast. And everybody kind of shines in this movie, or at least the four main people.
0: I agree. So, um, oh, by the way, when we were talking about this movie, my husband said, oh, you know what, I was confusing this with Sleepless in Seattle. (laughs) <laughs> and I told, him, <laughs> and I told him, you know, if I had to pick between Billy Crystal and Tom Hanks, this is this might not be a popular opinion, but I think I'm more of a Billy Crystal girly myself. Um, I really like his vibe <laughs> in this movie. Um, but yeah, you know, it stars Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, Carrie Fisher, the Carrie Fisher, um, and who's who's the fourth person? I'm missing somebody.
1: Bruno Kirby.
0: Okay, and Bruno Kirby, yep. Yep. Um, so a star-studded cast, but uh I guess let's start with Billy Crystal. Um when I think of this movie, I always think of that picture of him in the cable knit sweater, like <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean how how do you feel as him casted as this main character? Could you see anybody else in this role? You know, what what are your thoughts on it?
1: Well, you know, you mentioned Sleepless in Seattle, which was directed by Nora Ephron and stars Meg Ryan, which, you know, they would go on her and Tom Hanks to do quite a few romantic comedies together. Mm -hmm. Um, I was thinking, you know, Tom Hanks is closer in age range to Meg Ryan than Billy Crystal, but I can't see Tom this this. This role feels uniquely Billy Crystal like it, it does. I feel like I feel like it's his personality in real life like this is his comedic persona which is interesting because him and Rob Reiner are friends in real life and in fact they would like actually talk on the telephone to each other about Casablanca and other things like what's going on in the movie between Harry and Sally uh-huh. so that's kind of But yeah, I feel like this is uniquely him. Like, I can't see anyone else playing Harry, like, because it has, well, I think he might be older, but another comedian who could do this, but maybe it wouldn't be quite the same as Albert Brooks, which he kind of played those kind of roles too. And his, but usually he's casting himself in his own movies. But yeah, Billy I thought Chris. you were
0: gonna say Michael Keaton.
1: Oh, Michael Keaton, maybe too. I guess.
0: But you're right about Albert Brooks for sure. Um, but yeah, I I uh, I agree. I think I think that Tom Hanks is an everyman, you know. But yeah, he's... but he's a very handsome and really likable everyman, and that's not this character, like. No. You know, you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the idea of finding your your soulmate, someone who's perfect for you. And I, I would posit that these characters are not perfect. And, like, that's part of their charm. Like, he's not a perfect guy, you know. And I feel like Tom Hanks is too sweet to, to be this character.
1: Yeah, I don't know if Tom Hanks has the dark side or the moroseness that Billy Crystal has. Like, you know, he talks about, I think, about death all the time. I'm so dark that I read the last page of a book before I even start. So if I die, I know how the book ends.
0: Right. And yeah. then his exact opposite in the movie is Meg Ryan, uh, her character, Sally Albright. What do you think about her casting? And, you know, uh, man, Meg Ryan was such a darling in all these like <laughs> romantic comedies? She did so many.
1: Yeah, I don't know what she did prior to this movie, but I feel like this is, like, the movie that made her, and made her, like, America's sweetheart, and, like, made her the cute girl-next-door type of thing, you know?
0: Yeah, I um, I think what's interesting about this movie, or unique, or one reason you can tell that it was written by the screenwriter too is like I think a lot of times in um, romantic comedies or in romance movies in general the 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 female character I feel like this this girl Sally is older than sometimes the person that's paired up with the main male lead like she's 31 and they've known each other for a long time and like that in and of itself is a little unique like she's worldly and she's you know you it just it, it she feels like a writer to me i don't know does that make sense <laughs> i'm yeah, going I mean, off on the tangent both,
1: they're both professionals right she's, yeah they're, they're adults a he's a lawyer oh i think he's a lawyer Or, no, he's a political consultant. That's what he does.
0: That's right. Yeah. I was like, I don't remember what he did. She's the journalist because women were like always journalists for some reason in movies. It was like, if you don't like stay, if you're not a stay at home mom, you're either a teacher, a journalist. Like, there's like three things you can be. But yeah.
1: Well, that's that's the line Goldie Hawn has in First Wives Club. There's only three roles for women. (laughs) Babe, District Attorney, and Driving Miss Daisy. (laughs) But, yeah, I guess there is a lot of... Because I think she wrote another movie before this for Mike Nichols where I think the woman, it's Meryl Streep, I think she's also like a journalist or something. Yeah, it's like there's only a handful of roles for professional female characters especially in the 80s right it's like, yeah you know,
0: i also think too like <laughs> journalism was a big deal back then so that's part of it
1: <laughs> oh yeah 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 for sure because you know the whole woodward and bernstein stuff and yeah the press was a more prestigious job or considered a more prestigious job back then than it is now
0: I was surprised to see Carrie Fisher. I didn't realize she was in this. I guess I'd only seen clips. So that was a pleasant surprise.
1: Yeah, it's nice to see her as just a regular human being and not in bagel hairdo and fighting in the space.
0: I feel silly, but I didn't really know who Bruno Kirby was, although looking at what he's known for, I've seen the Basketball Diaries, I've seen, I loved City Slickers, but I couldn't place him.
1: Yeah, I, I think he always did supporting roles in comedies. I think he's also in Good Morning Vietnam. I'm not 100% of like everything he's been in, but he was, he mostly was a supporting character actor.
0: Got it. Okay. Well, those are the, the main ones I had listed. Is there any anyone else we need to go over? Or do you want to kind of go into some of your favorite scenes?
1: Well, I mean, that's pretty much the main cast as far as who you're going to talk about. But I mean, a little side note. And the famous scene in the diner where Sally proves to Harry that women <laughs> can fake, you know that is Rob Reiner's mom that has the line, I'll have what she's having.
0: Oh my gosh. I also heard that that was Billy Crystal's, like, improvised like she should say that.
1: (laughs) I didn't know that. That's great.
0: (laughs) That's that is such an iconic scene. I guess we could start there. So, like, I guess for listeners, basically um, and I feel like it's because uh, you know billy crystal's character he's very like negative and like he knows everything and he's got everything figured out he knows everything about the dynamics between men and women and i think she's kind of finally at a point of like pushing back a little bit Mm -hmm. and um she basically is like how do you know women are satisfied in these one night stands and he's like i can tell and so then there's this famous orgasm scene i'll just say it um yeah i think we've all seen it at some point but it's it's really funny and also i think it's it, it was refreshing especially at the time because i don't think you always heard that side from women and it's just i don't know everything about it is is pretty funny it, it's a very iconic scene for a reason and and probably one of the funniest in the movie
1: yeah, absolutely. And it has to burst, you know, his bubble, of course, but I'm sure that bursted some men's bubble and might have caused even some heated discussions between couples, or at least men who actually care. Cause, <laughs> That's know, true. Because sadly, there are some men out there who don't care.
0: This is true, but yeah, I think that it's a very iconic uh, movie um, and for a lot of reasons, and this is probably one of the most popular scenes from the film.
1: Of course, I mean, yeah. I mean, even that line, you know, everyone knows that line, even if they don't know what the movie's from.
0: I feel like I've seen this scene so many times in like a, a list of like top 10 iconic you know, lines, top 10 iconic scenes. And so it was kind of nice to finally see it like sequentially in the movie to get the full context for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on uh, like the 101 Greatest Movie Quotes that the AFI did however long ago.
0: What's what's another favorite scene of yours from the film?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, I mean... I, I I love I mean, I love the final scene at the New Year's party, you know, where he comes and he finally mm-hmm. he finally breaks down and admits that he loves her. And I love her reaction, too, because she's so frustrated with him because, you know, there's those complicated feelings. And she's like, you say those things and it's impossible to hate you. And then she's like, I hate you. But, you know, she doesn't really mean she hates you, hates him. Yeah. She loves him. But she, it's like, oh, why did it take you so long to admit this?
0: Yeah, it. I think why did it take him so long to be honest about how he feels? Because like, mm-hmm. and they both do it. Like for so much of the movie, he's like, oh, I'm in all these pointless relationships and I don't care and they don't mean anything to me and da 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 you know, like, just very dismissive of his partners and how they feel and, you know, just making it hard for her to see, like, the real him, but then on the flip side he's been such a great friend that she keeps him around and I think, yeah, by that point she's, like, so frustrated, but he, I have to admit that 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 speech he gives in that scene is very romantic, you know. Well, of like, course. Yeah.
1: When you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you want the rest of your life to start right now.
0: Yeah, oh, it's so sweet. And and it, and and the stuff he said right before that too about, you know, the things he loves about her, all the the little quirks she has, and things that should be annoying but aren't. Like it's just all very nice and you know he's not saying like you have beautiful hair and beautiful eyes he said he's, say, he's no. talking about her as a human being and it's it's just very very nice i was like like i turned to nick and i was like well that is really romantic i do really like that <laughs> i can see why that, that was so honestly, iconic.
1: <laughs> that's the other thing that makes the movie so refreshing and even relevant to the day and you know i'm i say this and it kind of Kennedy sheds the romance, but it's like, honestly, if you find somebody and their quirks or their flaws, you're like, I can live with that. Actually, that doesn't bother me. That's really Mm -hmm. what it breaks down to is like, yeah, those things aren't so bad. I'm not going to go crazy because you do X, Y, and Z. And I mean, that's honestly the truth because, you know, if you can't stand X, Y, and Z, it's going to become an issue. Um, something I noticed this time watching it, which I don't know if I ever picked up on it before, but there's a scene, you know, of course, through through the movie, they start hanging out and they're doing things together. There's a scene where they're at the museum. And I didn't pick up on this. But she is fishing or testing to see something because she says, oh, when he asked her, Well, that's another famous scene because he's doing the whole voice thing about the pepper and the on the. Oh yeah. And she's like, "I have a." He asks if he can go if she wants to go to the movies with him, and he's like, "No, I'm being serious." And then she's like, "Well, I have a date." And he's like, "Oh, that's great." And she's like, "Is that okay?" I think you know the attraction's already there, because they've built this relationship. And then she's testing instead of being honest with him. Yes. And they do this throughout the movie, back and forth. And it's like, had they just been honest with each other, they probably would have started dating sooner. But because neither one of them wants to make the first move, they're playing this whole game.
0: Yeah, I think they... I don't know, they keep having there's a lot of misfiring there's a lot of um almost in the movie like from the very beginning but yeah i agree in that scene that is what's happening and you know for so much of the movie like sally um can never admit any of her feelings you know she can't admit when a breakup really breaks her down she can't Mm -hmm. she can't admit that she's unhappy and she kind of you know when he when he mopes, she she's kind of like, why are you acting like that? Why are you feeling that way? I don't feel that way. You know, very defensive, and then he's defensive in like the opposite way. They're just both so freaking stubborn. <laughs>
1: they yeah,
0: admit their feelings. Um,
1: another scene I really like. It kind of is two scenes. It kind of goes through for fruition of one to the other. Uh, there's the scene where they're they're buying they're shopping together for their friends because they try to hook their friends up with one another and then the friends end up liking each other which is quite hilarious because there's the whole scene where they're taking each other to the side do you mind if i call her or do you mind if i talk to him and they're like "Well, will give it give it some time because they're in a really bad place right now and they're vulnerable And then they're like, I'm getting a cab. I'll ride with you. It's like immediately. So eventually they're getting married because they click at this blind date where they're supposed to be dating the other. And they're (laughs) at the department store. And Harry's like, oh, look, a karaoke machine. But he calls it something else. But it's a karaoke machine. And he's singing the song from Oklahoma. He gets her to sing. And then his ex-wife shows up. And he has like a total breakdown. Which, which happens, you know, when you're in that vulnerable place and it takes time to heal from a breakup. So if you're like, we're deeply in love with someone and then you see them with someone else, and this has happened probably to in, to anybody. You can relate or you at least have a friend or it's happened to someone, yeah. you know.
0: Absolutely. And then, they,
1: and then they go to the apartment or place where their friends are moving in together and they're having an argument about this coffee table and of course Billy Crystal's being nice he's like oh yeah it's nice because Bruno Kirby really likes this table but Carrie Fisher does not and then he just has a total breakdown in front of everybody about his seeing his wife and then it says that it's a stupid coffee table. And he's like, I thought you liked it. He's like, I was being nice. <laughs> Which is just classic Billy Crystal monologuing there.
0: For sure, yeah. I think, so it's not my favorite scene, but I think it's interesting, like, you know, in the beginning when... um there's the uh, the car trip from Chicago to New York when our characters first truly get to know each other. I think that's kind of what's cool about this movie is I do think that happens in life. Like, I guess to personalize it for me, like Nick and I met as friends, and you know we were friends for a couple years before we got together, and we were in different relate. Well, I was in a relationship at the time. Um, It was actually quite the scandal, (laughs) but I won't go into that now, Um, but uh, in our friend group. But yeah, we were friends for a long time. You know, we didn't date right away. And I, I like that about this couple that like they have so many. I know I said they're stubborn, but also just the timing just wasn't right, you know. yeah. And so like they have these encounters. It's not love at first sight. It's not instant magnet attraction. It's like something that grows Out of their friendship over, I mean, how long does it take? Is it like a decade?
1: It's 10 years. So they meet in 1977. And basically, he's riding with her because she's also going to New York. And he's actually dating a friend of hers. And so they have this 18-hour car ride and a scene in a diner where they stop to have dinner, I guess. And then they part ways. And then they meet up five years later at the airport and she's dating a guy. He knows that they lived in the same building and he's getting married. Yeah. And so they have a conversation and then they part ways. And then five years later, he's getting a divorce. She's broken up with her boyfriend because she's decided she wants a family. And he says he doesn't. And, you know you just explain your situation i'll explain a little of mine but not in full detail cuz it's also quite a story but also uh i was friends with jessica and jessica's ex-husband the ex-husband had an affair ran off and left jessica and then you know we had already oh, been my friends gosh. we had already been friends for years or yeah for years and you know we were just talking and you know as that's what happened. We eventually became more than friends. But because we had already had a built-in relationship and knew each other and knew things about one another, it was quite easy to go from our comfortable, I guess, not easy, comfortable, to like become more open with each other to go to the next step, I guess.
0: Yeah, and I think the fact that both of us have Some story in our lives that's similar. I think that's part of why this movie resonates with so many people because so often in romantic comedies, it's so unrealistic and so ideal and so perfect. And like, this is like, this is two like normal people that just kind of had other things in their life. You know, she's not getting married to him and he's the only man she's ever been in love with, and vice versa. Like, they're regular people that have had relationships and have grown and, and you know, they get to a place where they're both ready to be in this relationship with each other because the timing's right. Like, I, I think that's just very refreshing.
1: It's, you know, it's as realistic as it can be, even though it's still a movie. But I think that's another thing of why people love this movie or why this movie has... You know resonated with people for decades is because it feels like more like reality you know to people it's like that's a realistic relationship it starts out as one thing and becomes another and also the timing's not right and you hear that throughout these stories of these couples talking about how they met yeah like, like, there's the one couple, they, like, lived close, and they never met each other, and they didn't meet each other until they were working in the same building. Or the other guy who, they got divorced, and he had been married to all these other people, and then they met each other at a funeral.
0: That one was funny. Yeah, I, I think, too, like, I like in this movie that there's not a um you know like his ex-wife isn't the bad guy or her boyfriend yeah he made her cry and he and it was upsetting and she goes to her friend and talks to her friend like anybody would but like i like that you know that's another thing there's no like big bad guy (laughs) it's just no yeah, yeah
1: it's not like oh they're a horrible human being like and yeah his wife was having an affair or met somebody else and you know you feel sorry for him because you're like oh that's bad and like all the things she said to him but we don't see that scene we just hear his recollection of the breakup
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, it focuses on their relationship and i like that i think that's better because i feel like in other movies when the 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 wife is a bad guy or the the ex-husband or whatever is a bad, it's like eh, i don't know it's it's too convenient yeah <laughs> even though it exactly. does happen
1: There's usually some sort of confrontation scene or something or somebody's like, well, you don't love them like I do, or you don't see them how I see them, or you don't see me how they see me, you know, and we don't need that. We just need to how they become a couple.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think we keep saying it, but I feel like, yeah, this movie kind of broke the mold and it kind of set the tone for future romantic comedies after it so yeah yeah it's a classic there's another
1: scene where they're both dating someone else and they're over at carrie fisher and bruno kirby's house and the whole time they're both eyeballing each other and being judgy of who they're dating and all this stuff and like asking questions about the other one and like what do they see in him and no doesn't they know that Sally doesn't like that or Harry isn't like that or you know they're like criticizing the other one's date
0: right more of that unable to be honest with themselves thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) everyone can see it but them
1: right and you know eventually when she breaks down and becomes vulnerable to him and they he goes over to her house and they have sex for the first time both bruno kirby and carrie fisher's first reaction before they get more about what happened they're like finally (laughs) yeah, like they know
0: (laughs) right it's like at this point it's annoying to their friends (laughs) like how obvious it is they should be together yeah I think you hit a lot of you highlighted a lot of my favorite scenes Are are there other scenes that we haven't talked about yet that you wanted to touch on
1: i mean i think those are the main things i mean you know i i mean i just love their conversations with each other too it just feels like a natural real relationship like Maybe people aren't calling each other on the phone anymore because I was about to say that it would be more texting (laughs) probably now Like Like, you would text someone while you're watching a movie at the same time or a show. But I mean, I, I love their whole conversations like, and it even goes back from when they first met, they're arguing about who, who would you end up with in Casablanca, you know, and just everything i I I love that they do that. And, you know, I love that, like, he's silly, like he's calling and singing a song when he's trying to apologize for, like, you know, running out after they've, you know, made love for the first time. And I just love, like, just the relationship and the characterization of both of them and their conversation, You know, based on Nora Ephron's writing, who would go on to make other good romantic comedies, but maybe not quite as good as this one.
0: Yeah, I I have to admit, I'm a little nostalgic for a time when you would call the person you have a crush on on the phone. Like I remember doing that a lot in a lot of relationships where you'd be up like all night on the phone and you run out of stuff to say. And so you're like extra goofy. There's just something really charming about that. I guess, like you said, I guess now it's just texting. I don't know. Someone young will have to chime in, but I I agree. I really like their relationship. The dialogue is really good and their back and forth is really endearing and it feels real and, yeah, I, I I don't have a list of Nora Ephron's um stuff in front of me. I'm kind of pulling up really quick. Oh, I liked Julia and Julia. Um uh, <laughs> so in Seattle's that movie. good.
1: That's her mm-hmm. last film. It's really good. That oh. one's not really a romantic comedy, even though you do kind of get the romance between Julia Child and her husband, which that's really nice. And then you know it goes back and forth, but I don't know if I'd quite call that a romance movie. That's more of like, you know, just a... That's, again, another story about writers and food. So that might be why I like that movie so much.
0: I see another classic that my I remember my dad watching a lot when I was growing up. And that's uh, that she wrote. It was uh, You've Got Mail, which sounds so so dated now.
1: (laughs) She wrote and directed that, which is pairing hanks and meg ryan again and it's also kind of a modern at the time a modern take on another classic romance film um shop around the corner
0: oh yeah
1: which i think is meg ryan's bookshop name because tom hanks is like the barnes and noble even though it's called something else to her you know hometown owned bookstore
0: I think I need to rewatch this movie to remember it, but yeah. Um, Okay. Well, if we've talked about all your favorite scenes and we've kind of covered a lot of it, I guess that brings me to my last couple of questions. Uh, If you had to summarize, why why is this movie so endearing to you? Why do you keep coming back to it?
1: I mean... If you're not a fan of romantic comedies, which, I mean, there are very good romantic comedies. This is not like it's the only one. I mean, there's a lot of great ones, especially from the 30s and 40s, which kind of birthed it. But if you're wanting kind of the template of what, the what the romantic comedy used to be because this is a genre people keep saying where are the romantic comedies why don't they make romantic i mean they're all on netflix and hallmark now but um if you want like a realistic version of a romantic comedy if you want something that's going to give you really what relationships are kind of like maybe they're not so much like it now because this is the 80s but there's still a lot to relate to and connect to but if you want a romantic comedy that's going to be equally appealing to men and women and give you more of a realistic take on romance i think this is a movie you should check out
0: i would agree with that i think you know like you said there's a lot of great ones and this one would not be on the Hallmark channel. I think, you know, this is a, in the heyday of when movies like this could be big blockbusters, and we're kind of past that now, unfortunately. But um, it's a it's a classic for a reason, and it's worth checking out. Um, what I guess that kind of leads into the next part. What's your pitch? Like, how do you pitch this to someone that maybe hasn't seen this movie before that's considering it?
1: I would say if you want to see the movie that kind of made Meg Ryan, if they know who Meg Ryan is, or if you're young enough, do you want to see Jack Quaid's mom and see what made her a big star? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I mean, I I don't know who I would have to explain that to, but I'm sure there's someone that might know who Jack Quaid is and not know who Meg Ryan is. Honestly,
0: Um, yeah. Like, oh, do you like the boys and, you know, stuff like that? (laughs) Here's here's his mom. <laughs> um
1: you know if you want to see if you know of any of the like classic 2000s or 90s romantic comedies I'd be like this is the movie they're kind of copying from this is the this is kind of the formula of where romantic comedies and this is like a more realistic version than what most people think of what a romantic comedy is
0: yeah i would agree with that well cody this has been a great discussion and a great film thank you so much for coming back on and thank you for choosing it um is there anything you want to plug or anything else you want to say before we end here
1: i mean i just want to say thank you for having me it's always a pleasure to be on your show i love being on the show and talking movies with you and I'll sometimes it's hard to find a movie that hasn't been picked yet and I'm also happy that I've picked another movie you've never seen before I like that I get to talk to someone seeing this for the first time because that's a cherished thing that you never get again and you know I'm not going to shame you that this is the first time you saw this movie I'm happy that this is the first time you saw the movie and I'm happy you enjoyed it. Cause you know, this would have been awkward if it was a one-sided point of view of a movie, but, uh, <laughs> True. you know, um, if you guys want to check out my YouTube channel, um, we, uh, we just talked about Oppenheimer and Barbie for video store rejects a couple of weeks ago. Cause you know, they were the two biggest movies of the year for, you know, maybe they saved the movies for 2023 and you know, they're big in the award season and uh, you know, also check out my twin peaks talk. We're deep in season two. Now we've gotten past who killed Laura Palmer. So we're, we're kind of in the weird section of season two right now, but you know, if you like David Lynch, I'd say check out the rest of season two. I know it's a 30 plus year old show, but, if you remember anything in pop culture about Twin Peaks, this is kind of where Twin Peaks dived. And uh, be on the lookout for my new show. I don't know when we'll post the first episode. I don't know if it's just going to be video or if it's just going to be audio. It's just with a friend of mine, and she's a big classic movie buff. So I'll, I'm looking forward to that show and that discussion. I, our first uh, episode i think is going to be on the maltese falcon because i've been watching the monsieur spade show and so it made me want to watch the maltese falcon again and i think we're going to take turns and we're each going to pick a movie we like or love and the other one and we're just going to discuss them a lot like this show it's just going to be focused on classic film
0: I love that. That's great. And I love the Maltese Falcon. Well, thank you again for coming on. Hope to have you back soon, but uh, we're going to end here. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Lisa.